This morning we're going to be turning to Isaiah chapter 40. And the message today is really focused on getting through the struggle of life. And I don't know who uh, chose these passages. We had numerous ones on Isaiah 40. Um, And I'm sure if you read it, uh, the words really speak to your heart. But the reality of the context of what is going on is what I want to bring out so we can understand what God is saying here to his people. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is one of the longest book of prophecies in the Old Testament. And for me personally, it is one of the hardest books to understand um, in the Old Testament. And part of that is because of the amount of time in which Isaiah covers. A lot of individuals will divide Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, into two books, where the first half goes into Isaiah chapter 39, uh, chapter 1 through 39. The second half goes from Isaiah chapter 40 to the end of the book, because these sections or these halves deal with two different things. The first half of Isaiah is God sending the prophet Isaiah. He calls him out and then he sends him to his people to tell them that uh, judgment is coming. See, the people of God had turned away from the Lord. They had begun serving false gods and foreign gods. They began building false altars and and having these idols. And the kingdom of Israel is now divided into two. You have the northern and the southern kingdom of Israel. The northern would be described as Israel. The southern would be described as Judah. And God's people are just uh, falling further and further away from Him. And so He sends Isaiah as as a messenger to call his people to repentance. And if they don't repent, that judgment is going to come through through foreign nations. Well, as we come into Isaiah chapter 40, there is a change in perspective. Whereas the people of God, their hearts have become so hard and and so uh, unwilling to move and unwilling to respond to God crying out to them, God has now said, it is set, it is coming. The Assyrians are now in the north. The Babylonians are right behind them. And now God's message is that you are going to go into exile. It's set. Destruction is coming because you would not worship me. You would not be the people that I have set you apart. You have not uh, remained constant in this covenant relationship that I'm having with you. And so the first half of Isaiah is really setting that up. And as you come to Isaiah chapter 40, the the theme almost changes. Where God has set destruction and set judgment to come upon His people because of their idolatry, now He's changing to a message of hope. Keep in mind that the exile is set. The people are going to go. But now in chapter 40, what God does through Isaiah is he's giving them a message of hope and a message of comfort. That even though they're going to be going off into a foreign land, even though they're going to be enslaved, even though uh, Israel and Jerusalem and the temple is not going to be anything what it once was, that God comes to them in the midst of this struggle and their relationship with him, in the midst of trying to just understand why this is happening and what is going on to offer them hope. And the latter part of Isaiah really points to the Messiah. So a lot of our prophecies go to uh, from Isaiah is in this latter part of the book and pointing to Jesus and the hope that is coming. Well, if you look in verse 27, it opens up and this is the Lord speaking to his people. It says, Jacob, why do you say in Israel? Why do you assert Jacob and Israel are the names of the same person? 
Uh, Jacob was renamed Israel after he began coming back. He had a brother named Esau. He was uh, a descendant of Abraham, who's the father of Jews. So God is speaking to the people as a whole. And what he's revealing to them is that I know what is going on, what you're thinking about, what you're wrestling with, what you're struggling with. And it reveals to us in Scripture, verse 27, this is what the people of God are saying. My way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by God. Basically, what they're doing is they're accusing God of not listening to their prayers. And they're telling God that we don't know what you want us to do. We can't see where you're taking us. We don't know what you're trying to lead us to do. We don't understand. We lift prayers up to you. We lift sacrifices to you. And you're not responding in any sort of way. And they're in this place, this valley of dryness. God's presence is not evident. God's moving is not around them. His protection has lifted from them. He's no longer blessing them because of the practices they've been having. And they're crying out to God, why aren't you doing anything about that? You ever been in that situation in life? Where it's so hard and you're crying out to God and you just can't understand how you're going to get through this. And all you seem to get is silence. All you seem to get is more confusion and aggravation. This is where the people of God are right now. Is the prophets have come, prophets have come before Isaiah, and they are, they've been telling the people, you need to repent, you need to return, you need to repent, you need to return. And the people of God would not listen to the word of God. And now God has said, now when you cry out to me, I'm not going to listen to you. And they're frustrated. They're in fear because they know what's on the horizon. Judgment is coming. So God tells them, Do you not know, verse 28, and have you not heard? See, what he does in this very moment is something we need to grab a hold of when we go through these struggles in life. You're, you're going to have struggles, okay? There's not a person in this room that is immune to struggles. I have struggles. I have moments in life that I have just dry spells in my relationship with God. That's my confession. Every single individual has them. You have those valleys you go through. Don't feel like oh, I'm the only one and God's not listening to me. It, it's all of us. We all go through those moments, okay? What God tells his people is they're crying out to him, why don't you speak to us? Why don't you hear us? Why don't you reveal your ways? Why don't you show us what to do? What God says in that moment, have you not heard? Don't you remember? He's calling them to, instead of, instead of continuing to ask him questions, he's calling them to remember what he's already done. He says there in verse 28, do you not know? You see, in Israel, they would they would teach each other. They would pass down the stories of God. They didn't have the Bible like what we had today. And so they would teach their children. They'd raise them up in the knowledge of God and they would speak about the stories that we come to love like the flood and, and the exodus and, and Joshua and the judges and King David and King Solomon. They would talk about these things. These would be like their bedtime stories. They wouldn't you know, go to a movie or anything like that. This would be their, their, their history. And so God says, have you not heard this? You already know, you've seen what I've done. You've seen who I am, how I've revealed myself, how I've continued to be with you and guide you and lead you. And what I, he's calling his people to do as they go in the midst of this struggle is you need to stop and you need to remember. See, in the midst of struggle, that's the hardest thing in life, though. 
Because all we can focus on is the struggle. All we can focus on is the pain and the questions and the doubt. And what God tells us in his word is that we just need to remember that he is God, that he is faithful, and that he is with us. Even though God's people here in Isaiah have abandoned him altogether, God reveals to them in the latter part of Isaiah, even though he's spoken about judgment coming, he's revealing to them that I have not forsaken you. You're still my people. I still love you. And even though you don't understand what's going on, and I've tried to tell you time and time again, I'm still with you. But see, it's set. A lot of times, we're a lot like the people in Isaiah here, is that we find ourselves in situations that bring trouble and hardship simply because we have moved away from the word and will of the Lord. That we've heard what God wants us to do. We've we know what God instructs us not to do, not to prove ourselves to Him or make ourselves seem more righteous and more religious than another individual because God has His best in store for us. But we're just like these people in the Old Testament is that we think we know better. We think that, you know what, it's not such a big deal if I do that. God's just trying to hold back. He doesn't want me to actually enjoy this life. And we think we know better than the God who created life. And a lot of times we find ourselves in situations of pain and struggle simply because we've wandered away from God. My mom used to remind me time and time again when I'd find myself in trouble growing up, and it happened frequently. If you don't hear or see God, guess who moved? See, God promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He promises he'll always be with us. But he also promises he's not going to force us to be with him. We have to make that decision. And so a lot of times in my life personally, I've come into struggle and pain and hardship simply because I've moved away from God. Decide I'm going to do this Mike's way. I know what I'm doing. The reality is I end up finding myself in a place where I'm crying out for God to do something about the mess I got myself into. When God reveals here in verse 28, He tells them, Do you not know and have you not heard? He's calling them back to remember. And then He reveals not a, 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 a belittling message, but a, less, a message to lift them up, a message to give them hope. And maybe this is the message you really need to hear. Maybe you're in the midst of a struggle. Maybe you're in the midst of times of confusion and questions and doubts and, and lack of understanding. And this is the message you need to hear from God. What he tells his people is he doesn't give them the answers to their questions. He reminds his people who he is. He says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary, and there is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Verse 30 says, Youth, youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary, and they will walk and not faint. What God does here is He is bringing His people to a place to remember how He's already revealed himself. In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of struggles that are going to come, this is the remedy. 
is instead of focusing so much on the struggle, it's coming for the people of God here in Isaiah. He calls them to set their hearts and their minds and their eyes to him. He says three things about himself there in verse 28. First, he says, the Lord. He is telling them that I am the covenant God. It's the name that the Lord revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, that this is the name I shall be, be known by through all generations forever. I am the Lord. I am. I am the covenant God. I am the God of promises. I am the God who is faithful. And despite your circumstances, I am still faithful in the midst of those circumstances. He's reminding them that I am. I am the ultimate, powerful, all-knowing being of all things. And this is the God you serve. This is the one you are crying out to. And this is the relationship that you are in. And he says, I am the everlasting God. I am the God of all time. I am the God of ancient and I am the God who will always be. And finally, I am the creator. You see, he keeps taking them back and back further so they would understand that I have everything, not me. God has everything under control. I have created the whole earth. I am in control of this situation. In the midst of our storms in life, that is exactly what we need to hear. That when we are out of control and life seems out of control, you know who is in control? God. And there's not a thing in your life, not a thing in my life that takes him by surprise. Nothing. He doesn't wake up one day with you like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. He knows everything about your life. From the moment you came to him and I came to him in salvation, received the gift of salvation, the love of God and forgiveness of my sins. In that very moment, you know what God knew about me and you? He knew that we would still wrestle with sin. He knew that we would still backslide into sin. He knew that we would still struggle with the day to day of living righteously and living for him. He knew that we would struggle with being obedient to his word and living out his word and applying to his word. And in the midst of all that and knowing all that, you know what he still did? He declared he loved you. He invited you into a relationship with him. See, it's never been about what we can bring to the table. It's about God and who he is and what he's already done for us. When, when he says that I am the Lord and the everlasting God, the creator of the whole universe, he's drawing the people, his people, Remember how he has revealed himself in the past. Ultimately, he's drawn them to a time where he revealed his full power and his glory. And I know I talk about this a lot, but in Mount Sinai, when he just engulfed the mountain, he's calling them to remember. Remember when you were in awe of me. Remember when you knew you needed me. Remember when I provided for you. And remember when I, when I took care of you and gave you everything you needed and, and I revealed my ways to you. Remember when I called you out of slavery. And keep in mind, he's sending them back to slavery in the midst of sending them back to that. He's reminding them, I called you out. And because I'm the everlasting God and the faithful God, I'm going to call you out again. Remember. So in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, whether you're in that now or it's coming, we don't turn to Mount Sinai where the law was given, but we turn to Mount Golgotha where the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. See, when you're in pain and we're all going to have it, we turn to the cross and we remember that Jesus Christ went through the most excruciating pain ever so we could be forgiven. 
We turn our eyes to the cross and we understand that God loves us. And if God did that for us, then he won't leave us or forsake us now. Even though we may feel like he's distant or he's far, he's here. And so we focus on his glory. We focus on, on remembering his wrath poured out for our sin upon his son. We focus on his power that he overcame death. We focus on that and we turn our eyes from our pain and our struggle and our sorrow and our wrestling matches and we focus on the glory of God. He's good. He's good. Unfortunately, we can be more like the people here in Isaiah than that. I mean, those, those are great words. Yeah, just turn to Jesus, turn to Jesus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I mean, we, we can sing all the songs and we, and, and we know it, but the reality is we're more like these people and then instead of turning to God and turning to Jesus and, and focusing on that, what we do instead is we give up. Give up. That's where the people of God are in Isaiah right now. They have given up. I've seen it over and over in my time in ministry, in my time in the church, that God's people give up. Life gets tough. The ministry gets hard. We don't see things that we think should be happening. We don't see uh, people coming to know the Lord like we think it should happen. And we don't think people are receiving the word of God like we think it should happen. We don't think people are worshiping like we, we think it should be happening. And so we just so frustrated. And I've been in ministry where there's been individuals, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who come to me in tears and in pain and they basically say, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. And the issue a lot of them have had is they've burnt themselves out. They're going so hard and so fast and doing every little thing they possibly can that they've burned themselves out and, and they, they're done. And it's not that they're just done with ministry, but what they do is they give up and they say, you know, I just need to pull out of church for a while. I just need to pull out of this for a little while. I just need to refresh myself. I need to draw out and, and I, I, just, I just, I need a break. And I understand we all need breaks in time, at times. The Lord tells us that we should take a Sabbath. It's a command of His. But the reality is when you break from church and you break with the fellowship of believers and you break from God, what you're doing is you are instead of drawing near to God, you're surrendering to something else because you will surrender to something that will give you fulfillment in life. And time and time again, I've seen it when brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling and going through pain and they say, Pastor, I'm done. I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. I, I just can't take it anymore. I feel spiritually ill. I just need a break. And so they break out of the ministry. They break out of the church. And you know what they end up doing? They end up finding fulfillment in the world and they fall further and further away from God. That is the worst thing you can do, but that is exactly what Satan is going to try to tell you to do. When you're going through the struggles, Satan will come and whisper, see, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he wouldn't let this happen. You see, you're doing all that stuff and nothing's coming up. No one even recognizes what you're doing. Just, just quit. Do something else with your time, something else with your money, something else with your devotion. The reality is if we don't surrender to God and draw near to him, we're going to surrender to something else and draw near to it. 
that's where the people of God are here in Isaiah. In the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this pain, because it's reality, God comes to them and He says, I am the everlasting God. I am the creator of the whole earth. I never become faint. I never become weary. There's no limit to my understanding. I give strength to the faint and I strengthen the powerless. Youth may become faint and weary. And the young men stumble and fall. Verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary and they will walk and not faint. I don't know where everybody is in, in this room. You may be having the best day of your life. Like, man, I didn't really want to hear a message on struggling. <laughs> but you may be in the midst of it. And what God is calling His people and what He's calling us to do in the midst of the struggle is to have faith. He says in verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord. Some translations say those who hope, those who wait. The meaning of that is those who wait and expectantly for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. That's the call. It is a life of faith that in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my pain, I am going to wait upon the Lord to do what only He can do in this situation. I'm not going to try to assess it or analyze it or try to figure it out myself. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. And the best way that we can wait upon the Lord is not to draw away from Him or God's people, but instead to draw near, to surround ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ, to get into the fellowship, to get into the church. You may be absolutely correct. You're in a period of life where you need to take a break from the ministry, but that is not permission to take a break from God because you'll drown. And the Lord says that if you would trust in me, then I will renew your strength. And I love this. Renew your strength. What God is saying, if you would trust me, if you would wait on me to do what only I can do, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you strength that you already have. I'm not going to add strength to that you already have. I'm going to give you a completely new strength. When you are completely worn out, when you are completely dry, I'm going to give you a strength you never knew existed in the midst of that if you would just wait on me to do what only I can do in this situation. A completely new strength. The best idea I, can, I could think of in thinking about this and trying to apply it is this last week I decided I'm going to work out, which is a wonderful idea if you've been working out for a long period of time. But if you've taken like a year sabbatical of working out, it is not fun at all. And so when I started working out and started doing, I, I said, I want to, sweetie, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to do some cardio stuff. And she looked at me, she's like, yay, good for you. And, and so I came up here and I was working out and getting all sweaty. And there were times I was bending over and I, I did not throw up, but there were times I was bending over and I was gasping for air and the, the stupid little workout video was still going and said, come on, you can do it. You pushed through it. And I'm like, God bless you. Um, and there, I was ready to quit. And there's times I had to take a break. But the reality is, is in pushing through those times and working out, you know what I'm doing? I'm getting a strength I never had before. 
It's not a strength I had. It's a new strength on top of that. And the same thing goes with your faith. And those times when you're wrestling, those times you don't see God, you're not hearing God, the easiest thing to do is to quit. I'm just going to pull back. I'm, I'm, I need a break. But the opposite is what will help you. It's to have faith in God, to keep your eyes on Him and keep pressing on in that faith. And what God promises in His Word right here is that He will give you a new strength never knew existed. And so when you come to those trials, again, later down in life, or you come across an individual who's going through that trial, it won't wear you out like it did in the past. Because you'll have a new strength and a new outlook on it. He says that I will give you they will soar on wings like eagles. And that's a phrase because the eagles were believed to be an animal or uh, one of the strongest birds that continuously renewed their strength, that they never grew tired. And this is the, a poetic image that, that Isaiah is taking, that you will have strength that just seems to continuously renew itself and you will soar and you will never lose your strength. They will run and not become weary and they will walk and not faint. And you'll be able to keep pressing on but I've been in the struggle. There's been times in my life where I've been in the ministry and, and I was done. There's been times in my relationship with God and I just thought, God, if you're doing something, come on with it. And I've turned to people I've trusted and people I love and people I know that love me. And what I found, it wasn't words of wisdom or words from my wife that, got me through that moment, it was the Word of God. And so if you're in the midst of a struggle or if you have a struggle coming, I want to give you a tool that has helped me. Get away. Not vacation, though vacations are nice. Get away. I think a lot of us are so spiritually dry it's because we're more plugged into the world than the Word. Get away. And some of you, this is going to be really hard, and you're going to have to schedule it in your little phone to remind you, hey, by the way, you need to get away now. <laughs> and you're going to have to set time up because if you don't set it aside, it will be taken from you. You need to unplug from your phone, unplug from your TV, unplug from your computer, unplug even from your kids. Some of y'all say, hey, hallelujah. Unplug from your, your family. You need to unplug from your job. You need to unplug from all of your obligations. And you just need to get away and get with God. And it, it can be in a, a room with the door shut. Or you can go to a park. My favorite place and the way I've just constantly been renewed and refreshed is when I've gotten outside and I don't bring my complaints to God. God already knows them. I don't launch into, you know, oh God, this is what I need and this is what I'm hoping to happen here today. You know what I do? I shut up. Just be still. Be still and know that He's God. I wait on the Lord. I just sit there and I, I listen 
to God's creation, praising Him. And I get, and it takes a while for me to, to you know, because I start thinking, oh, I got to email that person. I've got that thing I need to do before the day's over. Oh, I've got to. And it takes a while to get that focus where I'm completely trusting on God and waiting on God and expecting God to do what only He can do in that moment simply by me being still. The world tells you the exact opposite. You need to go, 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 go. You need to be a real go-getter. And God says, no, you need to stop. And you need to just be with me. And so I take my word, God's word, and as you take a pen and a, and a piece of paper, I find a spot, and I just sit there. And there's two times in my life that God has just <coughs> overwhelmed me with His presence. First time I was in the mountains in New Mexico. I didn't drive to New Mexico to get away. I was already there. Just want to let you know. Uh, I was in the mountains of New Mexico in Glorieta, the conference center they have there. And I was at a, a college retreat. And I, I'd given uh, return to God. And God had called me into the ministry um, that next year, and so I was back and all that going on and, and feeling that call, and I was just overwhelmed with that because I always told people, because my dad's a pastor, they'd always ask, so you're going to be a preacher like your daddy? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and now God's humor called me into the ministry, and so I, I went and I got away. I, I, I did not go to the scheduled event. Ooh, but I got up on the mountain, and I sat there, and I, and I just looked out into the hills and the trees, and I said, God, I need to know. I mean, you revealed it, but I need to know that you're with me because I cannot do this on my own. I don't have the knowledge. I have no clue what this is going to look like. I need to know that you're guiding me. And I, and I laid that out there, and I just sat God knew what I was looking for. He knew what I needed. I thought it looked like something, but I didn't know what. And I sat there and I looked out into the hills and I could see clouds going through. And all of a sudden I heard this wind noise. Just like in the book of Acts, I just heard it. And then I looked out in distance and it was like a wave of wind coming over the hills. And it was so cool as I saw the trees all moving and I saw it and it was coming right at me. And when it hit me, you may say, well, that's just wind, Pastor. No, no, it hit me and I felt the presence of God, just this fulfilling, tingling emotion that I can't just capture in words. And I knew God in that moment said, I've got you. It didn't happen at church. It didn't happen listening to some incredible preacher or in some incredible worship service. It happened just getting away with God and saying, I got you. Another period of my life, I was in ministry and I was so frustrated with the church because, man, the church is full of sinful people who do sinful things and they're frustrating. <laughs> and I told God, if this is what it is, I am done. This is ridiculous. I did along better with people outside the church and people inside the church. And I had things to do on my schedule. I went out to a park. I sat on a bench. God already knew my frustrations. He knew my struggle. He knew my pain. He knew my tears and my agony. And I sat there. I didn't tell him again. I had already been telling him. And I just sat there. And what God did is he spoke to my heart through his creation. Scripture says in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. 
Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and the words the end of the world. And as I sat there in frustration and pain, and I was angry. It was like the trees. I mean, when, when trees blow in the wind, they give that sound, but it, it distinctly sounded like the trees were applauding God. And I realized that I had lost perspective. I would become so focused on me that I forgot that he's my focus. and He deserves my worship. And I don't have to understand everything because my ways are not his ways but I know that he's got me. He is good. He is the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth, and I'm his child. The situation didn't end the way I wanted it to, but it ended in a way that made me stronger, which is exactly what God promises in the word, that I will renew your strength. You may not get the answers you want, you may not get the outcomes you want, but in the end, God promises if we wait on Him and trust on Him, we will come out stronger than we ever were. I don't know where you are, but my challenge is for you all this morning, is sometime this week, I know your, your schedules are crazy, okay? I know you're busy. Welcome to life. <laughs> but to look at your week and say, okay, Maybe it's your lunch hour. Maybe it's before you go to work. Maybe it's right when you get home from work. Maybe it's, this is the time. I'm not going to have the TV on. I'm going to put the phone on silent, and I'm going to, I'm going to put it either in the other room or a place where I'm not going to be tempted to, well, oh, oh. I'm going to turn the computer off, and I'm just going to sit and be with God. trust him and allow him to do in my life things that I didn't know I needed I promise you you're going to have to schedule it because Satan's going to try to overwhelm you with things and you're going to have to learn to say one magic word ready no you're going to have to tell some people no this week so you can make time to have with God I know that's hard, but it's so important for your spiritual soul to be with your Lord. The people here in Isaiah, they began trusting in other things that they would give them fulfillment, and they found out that they weren't fulfilled. They didn't have joy. They didn't have peace. They didn't have strength. They weren't blessed. They weren't protected. They were in complete pain and agony. Maybe that's where you are here this morning. It's because you've been trusting in the things of this world. But know that God loves you and he is for you. He sent his son to die for you on a, on a cross for your sins. They placed him in a tomb, but he rose again that you could be forgiven. And he calls us to place our faith and our trust in him. We don't have to understand it all. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't even have to be a good person. We don't have to get our life all together. Just trust that God loves me and Jesus died for my sins. I'm forgiven. 
to the pain and struggle you may be dealing with right now is because you've been trusting in the wrong thing. And the, the Bible reveals that when we trust in the wrong thing, it will always lead to brokenness. Always. And God is calling right now, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me with your salvation? And he extends the gift right now. The Bible says it begins by admitting I'm a sinner. I fall short of God's glory and his holiness. But I believe that God loves me. He sent his son to die for me. He rose again that I could be forgiven. And when I believe that in my heart and I confess that with my mouth, I'll be saved. And maybe that's where you need to do right now. Maybe that's where you need to be. Maybe you're already a child of God. And you just need to come and kneel before the Father and confess to him that you've been trusting in other things to do what only he can do in your life. God already knows you. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. There's nothing hidden in your life that he's unaware of just to come and be honest with him. Wherever you are today, I'm going to invite Jackson to come on up and lead us in a song of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart and you know there's a response you need to have, I'll be here if you need someone to pray with. If you just want to come and kneel, that's fine. If you need Jesus, your Lord and Savior, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you that you never fail. Thank you that you're always with us. You are the everlasting God, and Lord, forgive us those times we don't see it, we don't feel it, we don't understand it. But Lord, you promise your word you'll never leave us or forsake us. You promise us as your children you've given us an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. You've given us your spirit, a seal of our salvation. Father, forgive us as your children when we've turned to other things. We've been distracted by the enemy as an angel of light. But Lord, in this time and place, let us draw near to you. Let us wait upon you. Let's praise you for you are good. Lord, I pray for those who may be here this morning that don't know you as your Lord and Savior. Father, you know their heart. You didn't bring them here to condemn them, Lord. You brought them here to lift them up. So, Father, I pray that you give them the strength they need to step out and come down and let it be known that they have accepted Jesus Christ and they want Jesus to be their Lord and Savior today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for renewing our strength. Thank you for giving us strength we never knew possible, Lord. To be able to go past things that we never thought we could do simply because you're with us and you're guiding us and strengthening us and enabling us to do great and mighty works for your glory. Father, we give this time to you and ask that everything be done in the next couple of minutes be for your glory and yours alone. We praise in your son's name.